Hello, everyone, and welcome to Birth Your Vision podcast. And I'm your host, Hannah Kukuli. And so today, I am so excited to welcome my guest, Christina Antonio, who will be talking about things millennials need to know about money. So we're going to focus on millennials and money and how the next generation looks at wealth. So when it comes to millennials and money, this is a generation that is actually, you know, compared to their parents, generally lack financial knowledge. And also they worry about not being able to meet their key financial goals, such as buying a house, paying off student loan and debt, and of course, saving money for retirement. So today we're going to be talking all about how you can actually, um, you know, help you know, the young people in your life, especially parents, to help them save, to, to help them be able to budget and obviously um, be able to be financially stable. So to help me today to really kickstart this conversation, it's the amazing, wonderful guest, Christina, who will be telling us all about how we can actually um, help them to budget and save and also how to manage and spend their money. So just before she comes on, on stage to come and speak, um, she is actually an amazing financial advisor and, um, you know, growing up around her family, um, she's always had this sort of financial insecurity and she ended up making decisions that actually resulted in more financial hardships than you can actually imagine. So as a result, she is now able to actually change that situation around and, you know, she's been able to now be an expert in helping other people to manage their money. And so today she's going to be talking all about why does this generation have so much debt? And also what is the good plan for millennial to start investing in? So welcome. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me on, on the show with you today. I really do appreciate your, your vision for your podcast and how you have so many of us on here to share our, our gifts, our truths with the world. So thank you for having me be a guest today. Thank you so much. Of it's course. really good to have you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me, how was your day today? It was really great, actually. Very busy. Um, yeah. In the world of finance, there's a lot of people who need help. So I stay pretty busy during my day. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and exactly what you do. Of course. So like uh, Hannah has said, my name is Christina Antonio. I actually grew up super financially insecure. My parents, while pretty great people, just weren't really good with handling their money. And by happen to, by, you know, by being taught not how to manage my own money, I ended up making some really terrible financial decisions myself. Mm. I am a former athlete who turned into what I'm calling myself the money trainer. I help you get your lazy money off the couch and into the gym. Your money should be getting ripped or having maximum gains, even if you're not. And so that's what I do. I spend all day helping people learn how to budget, manage their money and invest or get their money off the couch. Right. <laughs> awesome. That sounds really amazing. So today we're focusing on millennials and those people who are watching us are listeners. So for those of you who are wondering who millennial is, could you just explain to us who that group of people are? Of course. So millennials run from uh, the late 1989 to about 1994. So I'm 1995. I call myself a millennial because that gap of like 95 to about 1999 is always the lost generation. And I refuse to be paired with these young kids out here right now. But the millennial generation is 
the next up and coming generation. We are the people who are now stepping into high corporate leadership roles, whether it be the C-suite or maybe we are all business owners. We are the people who you see on your Facebook if you went to high school and from 2010 to 2014, you see all your friends having kids, getting married, buying a house, you know, all of these things. Those are the millennials. Fantastic. So, you know, there are definitely some challenges and issues that we really need to discuss um, with this particular group of people. So what is the biggest issue when we talk about millennials, especially the issues that they face when it comes to money? Yeah. So a lot of the issues that millennials have is that it's, it's a couple of different spaces. We all know about student debt, right? Yeah. Most millennials are saddled with student debt. It's about, I, I saw a stat from uh, Forbes the other day that says about 34% of Americans are under some type of student debt that they are never are going to pay off, right? right? So for, you know, for some of us, we might have taken advantage of the current situation in our country and in the world right now where student loans and interest was canceled. I don't know if you guys took advantage of that. I did, paid some of my loans down. But fact of the matter is we're all in debt because of student loans. So that's the first issue is how are you managing your debt? A lot of us aren't. Second issue that we're running into is that wages have stagnated, right? Mm -hmm. Wages have not increased. The federal income, the federal minimum wage has not increased, yet everything else has increased. So we have an income problem. And the third problem that we're all facing is a lack of financial knowledge, right? Yes. We all are pretty good with knowing how much a Ferrari is or knowing how much an iPhone is or knowing how much our rent is. But are you financially literate? Are you able to budget properly and stick to the budget? It's great if you make one, but can you stick to it? Right. Are you, do you understand what investments are and the tax implications of those investments? And are you preparing and paying yourself now for your future? These are three of the biggest elements and biggest common themes I'm finding when I sit down with my millennial clients and they say to me, Christina, what am I doing wrong here? Mm. And it's, it tends to be these three things. Thank you so much. It's so true because we have so many university graduates who are now in debt because of the fact that they need to be able to pay back the money. And it's so difficult. And sometimes even getting a job, it's a big challenge. And sometimes um, I often wonder why universities or even colleges, as well as schools, do not actually teach young people how to manage their money. This is something that needs to be in the curriculum. What is your thoughts about that? 100%. So I actually, I'm starting a curriculum like this to be taught in high schools um, for up and coming yes. college students or people going into the world. So, you know, I have a couple of things like that coming out myself, but I 100% agree. This should be taught in school. I was actually very fortunate. I went to a uh, high school in the suburbs in Pennsylvania. I had a high school senior teacher, Mr. Worley, who actually taught this. He taught all the seniors how to do our taxes. He taught by hand, how to do our taxes by hand. <laughs> he taught all of us what a mortgage was, what a, what a loan was, what a car loan was, what student loans were. I can still do my taxes by hand because of my high, my senior my high school senior teacher 10 years ago. Most students are not receiving that education and it's a problem because we will teach students how to fill out car loans, how to fill out credit card loans, how to fill out a FAFSA, but we won't teach them about compound interest in the rule 72. 
Mm. Which so goes that, hand in hand. Mm, absolutely. You said something that there's some specific things that we will teach young people, but then the real vital things such as finance, which really matters, we tend to kind of leave it to when they get older. Mm -hmm. So how do we start to change our mindset, our thinking, in terms of preparing our young generation for the future? Of course. So I, you need to be honest, right, with mm -hmm. everyone in your family. And I don't mean telling your kids we don't have money, right? This is actually an argument that my family and I have had over the couple of years as we've grown and my family has become more adults in, in the house, both the kids and the adults. And we're talking about money and finances. And one of the issues that my family ran into was we didn't talk about money. We never talked about it, right? We didn't talk about it at all. So I knew what money was. I knew money bought things, but I didn't understand the power of a dollar. And I think that's where you need to start. Even with your young children, like kindergarten, teach them the power of a dollar, what the dollar can actually do. And, you know, when, with my with my family and with your family, it could be, do you want to buy a McDonald's ice cream for a dollar today on the way home from school? Or do you want to save up all five days and get a big ice cream from the local ice cream shop, right? That is how we teach little kids how to man the, the power of a dollar, Right. But how do we go and teach high schoolers and college kids this? Same thing. You can buy a beer today or you can buy a keg next weekend, right? How are you how are you equating your money? That's the first thing. How what do you equate a dollar to? Once you are able to equate a dollar in your mind, then you need to go, okay, how do I save this money? How am I budgeting this? Am I am I okay with spending $10? on a breakfast sandwich that I could have made at home for three. And are you aware of that price difference, right? So that's the next step. And then the final step of getting, of understanding your money and teaching young people about money is about investing and not investing in crypto or investing in, you know, these specific investments. I'm talking about just the act of putting money away for the future, right? How are you putting your money away? Is it putting it in a high yield savings account for your kids? Are you putting it away in a Roth? Are you putting it away in a CD of some type? What are you teaching your children at a young age? And even your millennials, even, you know, your high school students, what are you teaching the younger generations about making money, budgeting your money and knowing what you're spending and how are you saving your money? And that's, that's the disconnect in this generation quite a bit is the saving the money aspect. Thank you so much. Our listeners are definitely enjoying many of these amazing strategies that you're sharing today. And, um, you know, I just want to know, how should a millennial um, be budgeting? So we want to break it down. How can they start to budget? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? And how can they start to save as well as spend money? So let's focus on those three things. Mm -hmm. What is your take on that? Okay, so let's start with budgeting. So budgeting, yeah. when I go down to budgeting, I make sure you hit all of your non-discretionary, right? That's your rent, your cell phone bill, because we have to have them. That's yeah. your internet, especially if you're working from home. That might be a car payment for people out there, your car insurance. The non, your food, medication, non-negotiables. What do you need? You're not, get down to just the non-negotiables. Nothing extra, nothing fam fancy, just non-negotiables, Right figure what that is. Then add in your negotiables, the fun things, right? Whatever fun you do, if you're spending money on PlayStation Live, if you have an Xbox, if whatever you do, add it into your budget. 
That's your discretionary. That's the most important thing you need to figure out. After you figure out your non-negotiables, you need to take a look at your discretionary spending because that is where a lot of people, particularly millennials, get tripped up. We're spending money on Amazon is a big one with my clients. We're sp- some people, some clients that I have, I have worked with for spending upwards of $1,000 a month that they didn't have on Amazon. Amazon's a big issue. Dining out and, do- and Uber or door dashing is another big one with, with my millennial clients, myself included. I, I was terrible at it for a long, long time. You can't, it's not that you can't have it, but in moderation. And then any type of bad habits, whatever that may be, you got to look at that and see how much are you actually spending? Because, you know, whatever bad habit you have is probably spending between two to $300 a month of your money. And that's all discretionary, right? That's all fun money. When you're budgeting, discretionary is it's great. Your non-negotiables need to be paid first, then your discretionary. But what you really need to be focused on is having your having a savings bucket, right? And I'll get into this now. I work with my clients in three different buckets, a uh, savings bucket, a fun bucket, and a, like a rainy day bucket, basically. And so your rainy day bucket should have three to six months of your monthly expenses in it. I'm gonna repeat that again. Your, your rainy day bucket needs to have three to six months of your expenses in it, right? And when you're estimating your expenses, your non-negotiables, overestimate. So let's say your rent is $1,800, I would throw in $1,900. You say your car payment is five, put in $550. Your insurance is $200, put in $250. Because here's why. God forbid something happens to your car, you got an extra 50 bucks to work with. God forbid you get into a car accident, well, now you got an extra 50 bucks to add into your monthly pay, your policy, just in case you need it right? So those that three to six months needs to be able to cover any situation where you could be out of work, hurt, sick, or lost your job, you are able to cover three to six months without missing a beat. That's mm-hmm. the first problem most millennials have. We do not have a three to six month bucket. Hannah, I'm gonna let you know on a really scary fact, 54% yeah. of people in this country, 54% of people in this country, 125 million Americans, with paycheck to paycheck. Yes, that's so true. It's wild to me. Yeah. It's wild to me that people are living paycheck to paycheck in this day and age. And for some people, they can't even think about saving for three to six months. But for a lot of us out there, we can and we need to, right? Mm. Pandemic showed us that anything can happen and we need to take care of ourselves. So three to six months of savings. Indeed, definitely. You definitely explained that really well. And these are so vital information that we really need to make sure that we are doing the best that we can to teach our young people. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a question for you. Um, One of our listeners was saying, how do millennials have no money? How how is that that they don't have any money? That's a great question. Thank you for answering, asking that. So Mm -hmm. it comes in. It's not an easy answer. Unfortunately, with with society, a lot of things roll downhill. So we kind of have to go back to the baby boomers a little bit. The baby boomers in their generation suffered a lot, right? They had a lot of different recessions, a lot of different mm-hmm. financial issues. They saw a lot coming up, right, guys? 
They saw a bunch of industry industries come up and a lot of industries crash. So we were all taught to, our parents were taught, right? The Gen Xers, I believe they are after the baby boomers. They were taught stay at a job, you know, work hard and you'll get where you need to go. But work, our parents, work. Mm. work, 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 right? Exactly. Work, work, work. <laughs> and then our parents saw, well, that's not a way to live. We don't want to do that. Right. And they taught us to, you know, work hard, but do what, do what you want to do. You want, you want to like your job, but you want to work hard and make good money. The problem is the money never grew. We are still making $7.25 as a national minimum wage. I live in New York City. $7.25 in the city, would I would not be able to live here. Point blank simple. Mm-hmm. Point blank simple. You cannot live here for $7.25 an hour. You can't. <laughs> you just can't. You cannot. And so... Having the national average, national income be 725. I live in New York City. I have friends who live in LA. I've got friends who live in, you know, Memphis, Tennessee. I've got friends in Alaska. 725 range is so crazy all over this country. And don't you believe that our country and our country men and women deserve more than 725 an hour? So the wages never increase, mm-hmm. but the expectation of work increased. Right. We're expected to give 40 hours plus we get overtime and time and a half. And that's great. But you're you're losing out on your time, which means you're losing out on the ability to make more money elsewhere. Maybe go into business for yourself, maybe have a side hustle of some sort. And then the next issue that we have is student loans, because we're all we're all in debt. I mean, I pay eight hundred dollars for my student loans a month. That's half my rent. $800, half my rent goes to my student loans. What can you guys imagine what my life would be like if I could put $800 away into my savings, into an investment of some sort, even if it were to be left alone for 10 years, where that would put me? And the last thing is inflation. Everything is more expensive. Incredibly so. And I mean, I can even see that just from 2018 when I moved here to New York to now in 2021. It's insane. And that's why millennials have very little money is the job market has gone down. We're expected to have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and an internship and accept $12 an hour. We're expected to be okay with paying $1,800 for a small studio apartment in a major city. And that's just your rent. That's not your utilities. So millennials have no money is because there is no money for millennials to make. Mm. All the boomers are still, you know, they're still in their jobs. They want to keep their jobs because they're, they're just as screwed as us. So the baby boomers are staying in their leadership positions, which means that Gen Xers who are right below them, who should be stepping up are staying in their positions, which means most millennials have an entry level or just above entry level position. Well, you're making entry level money. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have we have no money is because we're making less than we were told we were going to make by going to school and getting a good job, right? Getting a good degree, getting a good job. And everything's gotten ex- more expensive. Hannah, have you ever heard of the 40-40-40 plan? I've heard of it. If you can just explain that, that would be great. Absolutely. So the 40-40-40 plan is this this 
term that was coined several years ago where it basically explains 100% in a nutshell why millennials have no money. We were told, go to school, get a good job, you'll have a good life, you'll retire, right? Or 40, 40, 40. 40 hours, for 40 years, for $40,000 a year equals great life. Well, I don't know about you guys, but um, I lived the 40, 40 life. I had a job that paid me 40,000 and I worked 40 plus hours and I did it for six years. And I can tell you, you cannot live a good life in a major city with $40,000. So we all realized we were lied to. And that is essentially what has happened to millennials is there's just no money to be made right now. Thank you so much for that. I really, really like that because to be quite honest, um, it's very similar to what's going on in the UK as well. People living the 40-40 lifestyle. And yes, when we were younger, our parents will tell us that once you finish your university degree, it's time for you to go to get a job. Mm -hmm. And there is never that encouragement for you to actually start a business. You know, I can't really remember any of my parents' friend telling them to start a business or even my parent because it never really was something that was promoted as such. But things are changing right now, if you would agree with me, because there is more young people who are now investing in themselves and really bringing out many of their creative potentials and their gift and their talent. And what they're doing is actually turning that into a side hustle. And from a side hustle, what happens is that starts to grow. It grows into a business. So there is a shift, you know, um, within the last few years, technology, social media has basically changed the mindset of young people. Some of them are growing a YouTube channel currently. Some of them are on TikTok. They're making money. They're, they are now becoming ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Some of them have started their Instagram pages and that is booming and that is growing. Some of them have gone into the beauty industry, creating their own brand and, you know, building that network and really, you know, showing how great they are and making lots of income. So, I just see the amazing shift from when we were growing till now, you know, so the new millennia that we're talking about is definitely different. And so, yes, some of the problems still exist, but there is a big shift in terms of where they're heading to now. I mean, what is your take on that? How is it in America? Oh, a hundred percent. So we call that over here in America, the great resignation. Right. Um, and I mean, that can even be tracked back further. Even I would say to like, Let's talk about the end of 2013. So I was in high school in 2013, and that is when social media, at least for me, really mm -hmm. started to take off, right? Twitter was pretty big in my high school. Instagram was just getting, you know, getting started. And over the years as I went to college, you could really see start, starting to gain a lot of traction. And then 2017, I feel like that is the, was the beginning of the influencers, right? That was when everybody was like, I can make money off of this. Yeah. I can figure all this out, right? And that started with the Vine people, kids who were on Vine making money, rolled over to Instagram. Now we have the big, you know, Instagram influencers. But as you were saying, Hannah, we were never taught or even encouraged to open up our own business. But I think because of social media, like you mentioned, and just the opportunity and access, right? You can Google how to start a startup. Yes. You can Google how to create an, how to get an LLC, you can Google literally anything at this point with our supercomputers in our hands. It's almost 
impossible for people not to have a side hustle. Everybody I've ta- I've chatted to has a side hustle. And that's where the great resignation has come in or this mm-hmm. massive migration away from the corporate setting into building your own business, right? Because what's happening is people are starting these side hustles being like, you know what? I just need to make an extra thousand. I just need to be able to cover my rent. And it goes from covering their rent to, I don't need that corporate job anymore. I don't need to do this anymore. And if one person does it and is successful, another person does it, right? And another and another and another. And it starts this whole wave of people who are like, I don't need this. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. You know, the business owners I grew up with were trade people, right? Plumbers, electricians, construction guys, lawn maintenance, right? We were always told that, or at least I was, if you're going to own a business, it has to be a service. It has to be a physical service that you can go to somebody's house, house cleaning, landscaping. It was never a, you can have an internet business. You can have e-commerce. You can be a socialite on social media. And now this whole world has opened up for people where you can create a niche for yourself and really just be legendary and different than anybody else in your circle because you use the power of social media to to catapult yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the power of social media has definitely changed so many things. We have people starting online business within the comfort of their home, you know, and like you said, they're, they're looking at things that they're very good at and then they're able to now niche down to what they're good at Mm -hmm. and really brand themselves and you know start making money which is really amazing and so you know when we're talking about um this particular group of of people um how can we now start to help them to invest because we've talked about many of the reasons why they're falling into debt student loans lack of you know not being um guided or encouraged in terms of giving them the opportunity that they can actually start their own business and also not having enough um curriculum at university or at school at an early stage to tell them that they can actually you know develop you know great financial stability for the future so we've identified those things but you know how can they start investing now because as the young generation are developing and growing the idea is that they don't continue to fall into debt, but that there is a shift and they start to move into a different generation whereby they have surplus, there is enough for them to pay their rent, to pay their bills, and to still have some savings and also invest as well. So when it comes to investing, how do you help young people to start to invest? Of course. So when you sit down with, when someone sits down with me, particularly a young person, I run them through something called a financial needs analysis or basically a budget. We go, we figure out what comes in, what comes out, and we hunker down the problem areas. So if you're spending too much money in, in weird ways, like on Amazon, or if you're spending too much on clothes, I make, make recommendations on that portion, right? Once we get your budget locked down, we get your savings locked down, then we chat about your investments. I am a big big, 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 big flag carrier for having a multi-level investment strategy. You, the way I explain it is you buy your first car, right? That's great. Amazing. You bought a tiny little four door. You're 16 years old, maybe 18 years old. You bought a tiny little four door. It was a couple thousand dollars. Maybe it, it, it goes room and it gets you from A to B. 
right? But you're probably not going to bring your baby home in that car you bought when you were 16 or 18 when you're 30, right? You're going to upgrade your car. Same thing with your investments, right? So for most millennials, whoever's out there, you probably have a 401k. That is a really awesome, great investment strategy or investment vehicle for the beginners. That's great for people who are fresh out of college and your first job. Maybe you've bounced around a couple positions trying to figure out where you're going to be. That's awesome. But it's not the only vehicle you should be using. When you're thinking about your investments, people, you want to be thinking about high risk, mid risk, and low risk, or what I call conservative investing. And what I mean by that is your money, crypto people out there, should not all be in crypto. Your money should not all be in your 401k. Your money should not all be in a high yield savings account because here's the problem. It's never going to grow. It will grow slowly. It will grow at some point. But if you need it, you're not going to be able to touch it. So what I encourage all of my clients to do is look at their investment risk strategy. How much of your investments are in high risk, meaning If the stock market were to crash tomorrow, would you be in trouble? If we were to have a crash like 2008, would you be in trouble? If the answer is yes, we should probably talk. If you are in, let's say you do hard money lending in the real estate industry. If that is where all of your investment is coming from, we should probably talk. If you have a conservative investment strategy, that's great. But how are you getting capital capital interest to shove back into that conservative conservative investment? These are it's like a investing is like a team sport. Like it's like the track and field race, the four by four, the 400 relay, right? You cannot win the race unless every single person on the team has run their expected race, right? You got to pass the baton and get it all the way around the track four times before you can say you finish the race. The same thing with our investments. You cannot be successful in invest. Well, you can be, I'm not going to say that. Let me rephrase. You can be successful mm-hmm. with investments if you only choose one, but I'm going to tell you, it is a lot more stressful to try to balance crypto and know what's going on with, with that. Keep in touch with your hard lending or mid risk and be concerned about your conservative. It is much easier if you have a spread, a good even spread, that you know that any capital you you gain in your high and mid risk can be shoved right back into your low risk and protected. Because that's the problem out here, guys. And this is something I really want the millennials listening to understand. We can make money. We can spend money, okay? I know we can all spend some good money, right? We love spending money. But we don't know how to protect it. And that is the biggest issue, people. Mm -hmm. We have to start protecting the money that we have. Not making it, not spending it. How are you protecting it and helping it grow in protection? 
Thank you so much. That's incredible. You are just throwing <laughs> some great um, advice, um, you know, in this place. And I'm so happy to hear all these amazing things. Um, our listeners are definitely taking away many of your amazing strategies for today. And I just wanted to kind of um, ask you, how can they actually get in touch with you if they wanted to work with you? You know, how can our listeners reach you? Of course. So um, I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to the different social media platforms. You can find me anywhere. I do a lot of my business off of LinkedIn. So if you're ever wondering about who I am, what I look like without the purple, the orange hair, uh, or you're just kind of trying to get a feel of what I do, go over to LinkedIn. My name is Christina Antonio. It's exactly spelled exactly like my uh, my little tag here. But for the radio listeners, it's K-R-I-S. I-N-A, Antonio, A-N-T-O-N-I-O. There is no T in my name. Fantastic. So I'm going to be sharing all your contact details um, in the show notes. So I just want to say thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest and you've actually um, helped many of us to really understand what it is for the millennials to be able to, you know, have financial literacy and also learn how to save, how to budget, and you shared some amazing tips today, and I'm so, so excited for the future for our new generation. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted you to kind of share um, an inspirational word or even words of encouragement as we bring the podcast to a close. Of course. So Hannah, again, thank you so much for having me. And for everybody who's out there who's listening, it's not too late, okay? Everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a Gen Z, a baby boomer, a millennial, or you're a young kid right now who's just coming up, Everybody's kind of in the same spot. We're all in this together. I'm here to help you, okay? I'm here to help. I do not charge consultation fees. I'm here to help. I just want to help as many people as possible achieve financial independence. So if you're feeling scared or frustrated or alone in your financial journey, please do not feel bad. Please reach out and know that I started exactly where you were. I was living in my car for a couple of years. I know what it feels like. And if you need someone to just tell you it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. I can promise you that. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, take it day by day. We've got this and I've got you. Thank you so much. Well, that's what we have time for today. Thank you all for listening to um, the wonderful Christian Antonio, who has actually shared some amazing tips on how our millennials can be financially stable. And please follow us on all our um, iTunes so that you can actually stay updated with our latest podcast episodes and also go over to our website and join our mailing list. So until next time, um, see you again with another amazing guest. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Really appreciate you, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you.